You're listening to the Embrace Family Recovery Podcast, a place for real conversations with people who love someone with the disease of addiction. Now here is your host, Margaret Swift Thompson. Welcome back. We are here today again with Libby Cataldi, the author of Stay Close, a book about her journey with her son through his active addiction and into recovery. Today, Libby will talk more about the challenges of loving her son and finding the healthiest ways to do that, to protect him and herself from this complex disease. Let's get back to Libby. The Embrace Family Recovery Podcast. It's so challenging as a recovering addict to learn to separate myself from my disease. That was the hardest part because it was all my voice, my behavior, my badness, quote unquote. It also was really hard to separate my partner from his disease when they are the same person, which makes that target different. Exactly. And I had to remember that Jeff was alive under the drugs. Like one time, I'll give you an example. When we wrote the book, he read every word. He read every word before it ever went to publication. So he was reading one of the drafts and he looks at me and he said, you've stripped me naked in this book. And I said, Angel, I, this book never has to, without his approval, it never would have gone anywhere. And I said, but I do have a question for you. I mean, I asked such, this is such a mother question, such a sad question to ask. I said, why didn't you ever stop? Look at all the damage. I mean, it was in black and white. Look at all the damage you caused the family. Why didn't you ever stop? And he looked at me with tears in his eyes. And he said, you wrote an entire book about addiction and you still don't get it. He says, mom, I'm an addict. I never wanted to hurt you. I tried to keep you out of it all this time. I tried to keep you to the side. But mom, I'm an addict. So he says, society hates addicts, loathes addicts, and addicts loathe themselves. I never got that. I never got that he was suffering and caught and caught in that conundrum. He caught in that web. He was caught and chasing the next drug. So it wasn't like he wanted to hurt me, but damn, the pain was incredible for all of us. And I think to help heal that, the journey of separating him from his disease has to happen. And in that moment when he shared that truth with you was another awareness that he is him the disease was taking over him at that time, and he could do no different. It's a hard thing to do. It is. It's a hard thing to do. And as a parent, uh, when you're in pain and you see the whole family spiraling out of control, it's really hard to hold on to that. Of course. And I think that then goes to blaming oneself, trying to find somewhere to place that blame, because God forbid I hurt my child by blaming them. Exactly. In fact, I blamed my ex-husband for years. <laughs> it was his fault. And it took me years to come to the realization and to admit that, no, it wasn't his fault. I mean, we both made mistakes. 
maybe the addiction was there all the time. Maybe if I hadn't been head of school and I had been at home, you know, he, he still would have suffered. Where'd my cancer come from? I don't know. These things come to us. No great why. Yeah, no. And trying to blame and trying to find all that, which I did. I did all that stuff. I ran on that treadmill. was a useless um, waste of energy. So you've talked about writing your book. You've talked about speaking with your son. One of the things that I loved, 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 loved about your book was both of your words in the book and Jeremy's. Like you really included the three main players, not that your ex-husband wasn't a main player, but in this book, the content and the way you beautifully weaved your experience, Jeff's experience, Jeremy's experience was magnificent. I loved that. I think the lost child, the other child is often left out of the story. And you did a nice job of giving his voice a place and being able to hear it. Interestingly, though, for Jeremy, he's this kind of kid who shoves everything into his belly. And so he would not talk about the addiction. He adores his brother. They were only 20 months apart and he would not talk. And I'll tell you what I did. I made a huge mistake. One time when Jeff was still in high school, this was early on, Jeremy came to me and he said, I'm really worried about Jeff. He's smoking a lot of marijuana with his friends. And so what did I do? I went to Jeff and said, Jeremy told me. So what did Jeff do? Jeff cut Jeremy out. Jeff wouldn't let Jeremy around. It killed Jeremy to the point where Jeremy never, ever, ever told me anything else again about Jeff's drug use. So what I've learned from that is never give up your source. I don't care who tells me what. I never give up my source because that person then gets crucified. So Jeremy wouldn't talk to me at all. It wasn't until... Jeff had already read the book. He wrote parts of it, which were very valuable to me. I said to Jeremy, listen, will you please talk to me? And he said this, I'll talk to you if you don't say a word. And I said, okay. We sat down and for three hours, that child spewed out his heart. And I just wrote in my journal, wrote, 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 wrote everything that he said. But he kept it bottled up inside of him for all those years. He was very integral in parts of the story that you were probably not privy to until he shared them with you at that point. A hundred percent. When somebody had read the book, somebody said to me, I think Jeremy's the hero in this book. And so I said to Jeremy, I said, so-and-so thinks you're the hero. And he looked at me and he said, hero. He said, I wanted to be the hero. He said, but mom, I wasn't the hero. Jeff was like Superman with kryptonite around his neck. The hero is Jeff. Jeff had to take the kryptonite off his neck. We couldn't do it for him. Where did he get that? Where did he get that awareness without ever talking about it and seeking help? How did he get that? How did he figure that out? He's a really perceptive kid. And I think he really suffered. I think it was through suffering, through suffering and watching his brother just become somebody he didn't even know. 
being powerless is the worst thing. You know, I was powerless. Jeremy was powerless. And I think for many parents, when we love somebody, we want to fix things, right? You love your husband. You want to fix it. You love your mother. My mother has, you know, Alzheimer's. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to find some drug. I'm going to talk to some physician. I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. Like I'm a real fix it person. And I, (laughs) I couldn't fix it. Take it back a step, though, even before fixing, if it's anything like my experience, it was, I don't want to see people I love have pain. So what can I do to remove that pain? And then to watch someone we love decline down this path where their behavior, their disease, their use is inflicting more and more pain on them and everyone else. And there's no stop button that you can find that works. No, exactly. So one of the visuals, because I went on your website and you put out a blog, let's talk about some of the great resources you offer parents, because I think it's beautiful, Libby, what you do. So your website is called? Stay Close. Which is the name of your book. And I would love you to talk about why that name in one minute. But you also do a blog, which is called? There are Thursday meditations, but it's the stay close blog, but they're called Thursday meditations. Right. Which I love. So on Thursdays, you put out something where you've heard or read or seen something and then you reflect on it. And is Jeff a part of the blog? A hundred percent. He reads every one before I publish it, because as Dr. McAfee once told me, he said, Libby, you talk about addiction. Jeff talks from addiction. And there's a big difference in that. And so Jeff reads every word. He edits them with great liberty, but he brings the voice of the suffering person into it, you know? And so, yes, he reads every one, helps me with every one. He chooses the pictures. I send him 10 or 12 pictures and he'll choose the pictures. But for him, he says it's service. It's your service too. Yes. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. I am so grateful for everyone's involvement in this podcast. I am grateful to my generous guests who share so freely of their story, which isn't easy. To my editors for making us sound so wonderful. I'm grateful for the growth and the fact that more people are hearing this podcast. When I started my business, I knew this podcast was going to be a passion project. That whether someone saw me in my business and worked with me in my business, there would be something out there that could be a resource for anybody to access at any time, at no cost. It appears it's needed as it's growing, and people out there are looking for experience, strength, and most importantly, hope from this family disease of addiction. Please go to my website, embracefamilyrecovery.com. And if you are struggling with someone who has this disease and would like help, enroll for a complimentary discovery call. And let's see if we couldn't be a good fit for moving forward together. Thank you for your support. And keep sharing the podcast for people who could use the message. You're listening to the Embrace Family Recovery Podcast. Can you relate to what you're hearing? Never miss a show by hitting the subscribe button. Now back to the show. So there's the blog and then there's your book, which is Stay Close. So are you willing to share how you came to that title? Oh, sure, sure. In 2004, it was a terrible year. I had breast cancer, bilateral mastectomy, 
my dad died, who is a real strength for me. I left my school after 17 years as head, 21 years being there. So I lost my community. I left my community. And Jeff was just coming out of Fairfax Hospital detox after five days. They gave him back to me. He was a mess. And I didn't know what to do. And so I decided I have a family in Florence, Italy. And so I was going to take a three-month sabbatical. I was going to go to Florence and try to heal. By that time, I was dying. Jeff was dying. We were all dying is the truth. And so I said to Jeff, when he got out of the hospital, I said, I'm not going to go to Italy. I'm going to stay here. He says, why are you going to stay here? I said, to take care of you. I was still taking care. And he said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, whether you're in Italy or the United States. Famous words, because it's true. It is true. They're going to do what they're going to do. So I left. I went to Italy. I stayed after the three months. I didn't come back. I decided to live there. I have cousins there. So while I was there, I cried the whole time. I cried. I had just had four surgeries on my breasts with the removal of the tissue and then uh, reconstruction. My dad was gone. I wrote, wrote, wrote. So, and I think, you know, people get tired of hearing you cry and complain and lying, you know, especially people who don't understand addiction. While I was there, one of my cousins, Umbretta said to me, listen, you need to figure out how we deal with addiction in Italy. It's not the same as in the States. And at that time, tough love was a big deal. Tough love was like, throw them out. Once somebody from Tough Love had called me and said, you have to say Jeff died. I said, Jeff died. And he says, yeah. He says, and when Jeff calls, you have to say, Jeff, Jeff died. Yeah. So I didn't do that, but I did. I threw him out of the house. I wouldn't give him money. Then I would give him money and then I would let him back in the house. I mean, it was a disaster. Bottom line is, so Umbretta said, you have to learn how we deal with addiction here in Italy. So she took me to an office, a site of this place called San Petrignano, which is in Rimini. And San Petrignano is a community. They do not call them recovery centers or treatment centers or hospitals in Italy. They call them communities, which I think is really a beautiful thing. They have a recovering community in this place, 1,800 clients, patients on campus at the same time, 83% recovery rate. So she's telling me about San Patrignano. So we go to this site. She's on the phone with the director of San Patrignano, this guy named Andre Muccioli, to say, how do we get an American kid to Italy with a visa long enough to stay? Because the required stay there is three to five years. So while she's on the phone, I'm just in tears, weeping, 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 weeping. I was just in such bad shape. And the guy who was in charge of the office was in a recovering alcoholic. And he turns to me, my signora, non piangere, don't cry. Everything's not lost. And I look at him and I'm thinking, everything's not lost. Are you crazy? My kid's dying. I'm, or, we're in. And he says, no, no, no. Stai vicino. Which means in English, stay close to him. And I'm thinking, I've been close. That's the problem. I've lost myself and I've lost everything. And he said, No, no, no. Stai vicino, ma senza niente, senza soldi, without money. Don't give him money. Don't give him a new cell phone. Don't fix his car. Stay close, but out of the chaos. And I thought, I have no idea what you're talking about, mister. And so we left. I went back to my apartment and I'm thinking, stay close, stay close. 
I, what this guy's telling me is don't abandon your son. Stay close, but don't fix everything. Don't give him money. So I thought, okay, that's a street. You know, when people would say detach with love, I don't know what that means, detach with love. I still don't know what that means, detach with love. But this, stay close, but out of the chaos. Stay close, but don't give him money. Bingo, I could do that. So I go back to the apartment. By this time, Jeff is really sick. It's been 14 years. He had left another recovering center. This is probably 12th recovering center for $30,000. He had left another one. He's now in California living with a girl he met at one of the recovering centers who's also an alcoholic addict. And she gets a $10,000 a month trust fund settlement every month. So she gets $10,000 a month. So he chooses well, right? So he's living in an apartment on the Pacific coast, driving a white Mercedes and with this girl. And he calls me in Italy and says, mama, mama, I found another recovering center. I'm really sick. Give me your credit card number so that I can get in. Now, when I tell this story to AA meetings, recovering people, they laugh. Me, I saw, Jeff, Jeff, I love you, but I'm not going to give you my credit card number because I'm thinking, stay close, but don't give you money. I finally had a street. I had a lane. And two days later, he calls me and he says, mama, mama, I found another recovery center. This is a great one. He said, write the check out to the recovering center, but mail the check to me. Again, recovering people think this is a hook. Me, I was sucked in. I, Jeff, Jeff. And I'm thinking, I'm hanging on to these words, Stalie Vicino. So, Jeff, I love you. I love you, but I'm not going to send a check. Three days later, he calls me. He says, Mama, Mama, I'm so sick. Then he screams at me, Send me anything negotiable. I said, Jeff. I said, you're going to die. You're going to die. I said, when I had breast cancer, I could have died. Nobody can make you cut two breasts off your body. I said, but I had to fight. I said, Jeff, fight, son, fight. And the next day, he was in jail and the hospital the same day. And the day after that, he put himself into a recovering center. So stay close was my road. If I hadn't gone to Italy and learned stay close, I don't know what would have happened to Jeff. And I love that our higher power sends messengers that we never know who or where they're going to show up from. And that's what I feel when I hear that. I hear from so many families, what is this detached with love? What is this? It's so baffling. And my terminology is it's caring without fixing, which is exactly what you beautifully described in Stay Close. I love when he said to you, stay close, and it's even better in Italian, stay close but stay out of the chaos. That's so powerful and yet so hard to do. Exactly. In fact, Jeff at the end, when he got well said, my mother at the end, these words are great, became suspiciously quiet, suspiciously peaceful because I quit fixing things. So I was there when he called, I listened, I told him to fight but I didn't fix things. In fact, 
I interviewed 40, almost 45, 41 people from all around the United States and the world, from Ukraine, uh, Canada, uh, Denmark, Japan, Australia, New Zealand. I interviewed all these people and I asked them two questions. What brought you to addiction? What brought you to being sick? And what brought you to recovery? And 35 out of the 41 people said, the consequences of my addiction brought me to recovery. So when I quit fixing everything for him and he had to face the consequences of his addiction, and that's what he says in the video that's on the website, my mother quit fixing things. My mother quit giving me money, but she was still there for me. Couldn't say that better myself. That's perfect for families to hear. There was an image that struck me on the video that, I mean, there was many, but the one that just hits me is the power of your journaling to navigate the insanity, your outlet, that picture of you with all of your journals open on the table with all the little sticky notes. And it was amazing how much you wrote. Was that your outlet when you didn't have an alternative or even when you did? It was the place where I could be honest. I didn't have anybody I felt like I could trust. And so in the journal, I just vomited. Every time I needed an outlet, every time the the emotions were stuck in my cross, stuck in me, I'd open up and just write and write and write and write. Sometimes three in the morning, four in the morning, I would wake up. You know, but I had to do something with my emotions. I couldn't continue to carry them. And there was the place where I found some sense of peace. Did you go back and read them or were you truly just vomiting and left them shut for a long time? Yes, left them shut for a long time. It was only until when Jeff was in jail and I started this, the writing of the book that I never thought would end up as a book. I just started to write. I was in Italy. I sat at my computer and just cried and wrote. And a friend of mine, a former teacher, had been an editor before he came to our school to teach. Brilliant guy. And I sent him some pages and I said, this is how I feel. And he wrote back and he said, listen, when you decide to be honest, send them back to me. And I thought, honest? What do you mean? I am honest. My kid's in jail. How much more honest can I get? And then I thought, so when I went back to the States, I was in Italy. I went back to the States to visit Jeff. I thought, you want honest? And I picked up all my journals and I asked Jeff, I said, I'm going to write this. May I? And he said, yeah. He said, this is service. I asked Jeremy. Jeremy said, sure. I brought back all my journals in my arms practically because I didn't want to put them in a suitcase, took them back to Italy. And that's when I started to really scratch through the journals to find out where I was. And that's how those journal entries made their way into print. But it wasn't until then. And that documented the journey. Without those journal entries, you know, you lose dates, you lose times, you lose, you lose things. Yeah. And I wrote when the commotion came to my reality of my partner at the time, I wrote, that was my only outlet. And I find it very difficult to go back and look at that gut level, honest vomiting. Cause I called it the same, ironically. I would literally, I had no other outlet, so I would pick it up and just vomit on the paper. 
The parallels of the journey for Jeff and Libby are undeniable. In hearing Libby share, the turmoil of deciding how to support her son in healthy ways is clear, as is the lane she found through her sabbatical in Italy. Come back next week where we will hear more of Libby's story. I want to thank my guests for their courage and vulnerability in sharing parts of their story. Please find resources on my website, embracefamilyrecovery.com. This is Margaret Swift Thompson. Until next time, please take care of you.